0: Hi, I'm Fred Burton. This is Stratfor Essential Geopolitics, and I'm here today with Stephen Rakowski, who is one of our Africa analysts. Stephen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Fred.
0: Stephen, you've been following Africa for quite some time for us. Why hasn't South Africa become the dominant geopolitical player in Africa?
1: That's an interesting question because South Africa, on face value, is a southern hegemon In Africa, it has a large economy relative to a lot of the uh, countries around it in Southern Africa. Uh, It has it actually hosts more than half of the continent's um, top uh, corporations, and there's a lot of things that are going uh, its way for South Africa. But the country is severely divided among multiple uh, fracture lines. One is the fact that the economy has been uh, tremendously weak over the past 10 years. Uh, Just recently, ESCOM, which is the the country's uh, power utility monopoly, it oversees about 95% of the country's electrical grid. Uh, It has been going through massive turmoil, and this is really driven by years of mismanagement corruption and poor investment in the the power utility and that bill has really come due south africa has been struggling for the past many months to actually keep the lights on as the the power grid remains woefully unstable and that uh plant breakdown after plant breakdown has really uh, actually forced escom authorities to uh to uh enact forced blackouts which have negatively impacted households and businesses alike and in this immediate uh, economic crisis combined with the larger systematic deficiencies that South Africa struggles with which is you know very powerful unions a rigid labor market a crushing unemployment of well over 29% wow. uh, they're piling on yeah they're piling on more debt they've uh, had to throw billions of dollars at escom just to keep the lights on and the reality is that this situation is not set to improve anytime soon because just to get the, the requisite amount of plants up and running, fixing the decrepit infrastructure related to uh, SCOM, getting all that up and running in the years ahead is going to take a long time and a lot more money. So given this internal economic stagnation, that alone has been a key reason why South Africa is struggling to throw its weight around and uh, the broader African continent. But tie in the political reality, and it gets even worse. What's crazy is how South Africa, since the end of the apartheid era in 1994, has been dominated by the African National Congress. This is the party of Nelson Mandela. However, for the past many years, uh, there has been um, incredible amounts of looting. Uh, And other forms of corruption inside the party that has been tearing apart the ANC and making it very difficult for the ruling party to lead, even as it retains a significant majority inside uh, the 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 national uh, government.
0: Stephen, when you look at South Africa and you think about, uh, you know, my mind uh, immediately runs to, uh, you know, some of the uh, the natural resources that are there, and um, you, you would like to think that. Uh, South Africa would be able to, from a forecast perspective, kind of pull itself up and 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 move forward. Are, are you saying there's all these constraints in place that it's almost impossible to move forward?
1: There certainly are. There are. There is some potential glimmers for hope in the years ahead. First off, President Cyril Ramaphosa and his uh, small faction of reformers are certainly trying to drive the country forward and stimulate economic growth. They are thwarted by the larger possibly more powerful um, faction of, of populace inside the ANC. And of course, it's important to remember that the ANC has Marxist uh, origins. But when you look at the broader South African political system, there has been an increasing maturity of other political parties since 1994. For example, there is the the center-right Democratic Alliance that has made uh, important strides in diversifying and broadening its appeal to the larger uh, impoverished black majority in the country. But then on the flip side, there's also the the Marxist Leninist economic freedom fighters or the EFF. This is more of an extreme uh, group, even farther to the left than the ANC, and they've been making some gains in, in uh, important mining areas as the ANC has really struggled to deliver a lot of its promises. The EFF on the far left and the DA on the the center right are starting to eat into the the previous voter constituencies that the ANC has been able to rely upon in previous electoral cycles. So while we just had an election this past year in 2019, and there's not one set for a number of years, the reality is that as the South African political system continues to mature, these political opposition parties are going to force the ANC, which has previously had a complete dominance and could rest on its laurels, it's going to force the ANC to either dart pursuing its promises or it's going to lose to these parties and these parties are going to force it in some sort of a a coalition to actually carry out many of the actions that it's been unable or unwilling to do in previous cycles.
0: Before we wrap up here, I'd like for you to touch a little bit on uh, South Africa's massive crime rate.
1: Absolutely. So in in 2019, the government actually sent in the, the military into parts of Cape Town, in order to uh, engage in, uh, one could say, counterinsurgency tactics against uh, criminal elements. South Africa has a truly shocking level of violent crime in many parts of the country. Now, this is driven by a number of factors, including poor investment in law enforcement, poor hiring of law enforcement, uh, corruption inside law enforcement, parts of the government. But also, the reality is that South Africa, again, has millions of unemployed people who are forced to operate in the unprotected and dangerous black market. There is a very increasingly attractive narrative in South Africa that is a society of haves and have nots. And if you're one of the have nots that's trying to eke out uh, a bleak existence in many of the the ghettos or, or, or the uh, peri-urban areas, as they refer to it, in South Africa, it's very difficult for you to be willing to sit back while other parts of the country remains incredibly wealthy. So there's no signs that the government is going to be able to get a hold on the the violent crime or general crime environment in the years ahead. If anything, it's likely that given that the economic situation is going to continue to be uh, bouncing back between recession or tepid growth, that there's no real agenda by the ruling ANC to pursue pro-growth Uh, economic policies. A lot of these things are going to get stuck. And what you're going to have is a lot of these high net worth individuals or highly skilled individuals inside South Africa who are, in fact, very mobile. This is going to lead them to a situation where it's just unacceptable. They're going to leave seeking sunnier and safer shores in the years ahead.
0: Well, thank you, Stephen. For those of you who are interested in Stephen's thoughts on South Africa or the continent in general, I encourage you to take a look at our website and please visit stratford.com slash subscribe. And I'm Fred Burton.
1: And I'm Stephen Rakowski.
0: Thank you.